Today we're going to have a look at the issue of idolatry and idols. Um, we were supposed to this week, I believe, have a look at Samuel's anointing of King Saul as Israel's first king. But I came across the story in 1 Samuel 5 that really began, began to chew inside of me. Uh, so I want to share with you from 1 Samuel chapter 5 this morning. Idolatry remains a major distraction that Satan uses to lure us away from God, to take us away from him. And uh, in Samuel chapter, 1 Samuel chapter 5, we've got the story of Dagon. And just a little bit of background before we read that background. Last week we had a look at Samuel's call, remember? And then in 1 Samuel chapter 4, we find the Philistines attacking Israel, which we never mentioned. Uh, but they, they suffered huge losses. The first time they got beaten, about 4,000 people died of the Israelite soldiers. And then towards the end of uh, 1 Samuel 4, it mentions 30,000 of the Israeli foot soldiers were slaughtered by the Philistines. So the, they got whacked badly. And on top of all of that, they stole the Ark of the Covenant. And that went into Israel's hands. Uh, part of that story, we see uh, Eli's sons, Hophni and Phinehas. They were uh, killed in battle, and then some people came along to tell their father, Eli, who was the priest. Remember Eli and Samuel? They told Eli his sons had died, and the Bible says Eli was a heavy man. And when he heard the news, he fell over backwards off his chair, and he broke his neck, and he died. So that was the end of Eli, who was a good priest, except that he couldn't control his sons and his two disastrous sons as well. Well, let's pick up the story now in 1 Samuel chapter 5 as we think about the concept of idols and idolatry in our lives. After the Philistines had captured the ark of God, they took it from Ebenezer to Ashod. Then they carried the ark into Dagon's temple and set it besides Dagon. Now, Dagon, or your translation might say Dagan, was a god of the Philistines. He was the god of, the, of, uh, of crops, fertility of crops and prosperity. And throughout the Middle East, he was extensively worshipped as, as God. He carries the um, title of being the father in the hierarchy of gods, the father of Baal. Now, we've all heard of Baal. So Dagon was supposed to be the father of Baal. He also is claimed to be the inventor of the plow because of his influence supposedly upon the agriculture of those Middle Eastern people at that time. So that's Dagon or Dagan. Um, we, we, some people think that he might have been half man, half fish, as you saw on the first slide that we showed, uh, but there's no clarity in that. So we don't actually know how they represented him uh, completely. Verse 3. When the people of Ashad rose early the next day, there was Dagon. Remember, they've taken it in. They've taken the Ark of the Covenant and they've put it with Dagon. They would have done that not as, as the presence of God. They would have done that as another idol. They wanted to double up on their power amongst the gods. So they put him with, with Dagon, or put the, rather the Ark of the Covenant with Dagon. And when they woke up the next day, there was their God, Dagon, fallen on his face on the ground before the ark of the Lord. They took Dagon and put him back in his place. Now, the only images I've seen of this Dagon is a huge, like 
uh, several people high, a huge, monstrous structure that would have been chiseled out of stone. So it would have taken an enormous amount of energy and uh, manpower and work to put Dagon up again. Anyway, they put him up. Verse 4. The following morning when they rose, there was Dagon fallen on his face on the ground before the ark of the Lord. This time his hands and head had been broken off and were lying on the threshold. Only his body remained. That is why to this day neither the priests of Dagon or any others who enter Dagon's temple at Ashod step on the threshold. Verse 6. The Lord's hand was heavy upon the people of Ashod and its vicinity. He brought devastation upon them and afflicted them with tumors. Let me pause for a second on that word tumor, and we'll talk a little more about this just now. Uh, I think it's the King James Version. One of the older versions translates that word as emerod, from which we get the word hemorrhoid. For those of you who don't know what a hemorrhoid is, the more common word is the word par. And it's not a pleasant condition to have. Let's keep reading for now. Verse 7. When the men of Ashod saw what was happening, they said, The ark of the God of Israel must not stay here with us because his hand is heavy upon us and upon Dagon our God. So they called together all the rulers of the Philistines and asked them, What shall we do with the ark of God, of the God of Israel? They answered, Have the ark of the God of Israel moved to Gath. So they moved the ark of the God of Israel to the city of Gath. But after they had moved it, the Lord's hand was against that city, throwing it into great panic. He afflicted the people of the city, both young and old, with an outbreak, same word again, of tumors. So they sent the ark of God to Ekron. As the ark of God was entering Ekron, the people of Ekron cried out, they have brought the ark of the God of Israel around us to kill us and our people. So they called together all the rulers of the Philistines and said, Send the ark of the God of Israel away. Let it go back to its own place, or it will kill us and our people. For death had filled the city with panic. God's hand was very heavy upon it. Those who did not die were afflicted with tumors. There's the word again. And the outcry of the city went up to heaven. So today I want to have a look at some lessons that we can learn about idolatry and the possibility of entertaining idols in our own lives. There are just two verses I want to have a look at before we, we start sharing those lessons. Revelation chapter 22 verse 14 says, Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city, outside of the heavenly city, are the dogs, those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. Revelation 21 verse 8 says, the cowardly, the unbelieving, now that the unbelieving would be 
equivalent to the dogs in the uh, 22 passage. The cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars. Their place will be in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. So I figured as I thought about the concept of us having idols in our life, entertaining idols, that perhaps we need to have a look at some lessons from this passage because the scripture is clear. Those who entertain idols, the idolaters, their place is in the fiery lake of burning sulfur and there's no redemption from that place. So some lessons for us today on idolatry. Lesson number one, idols cannot stand before God. Whatever idol it is that we might have or entertain in our life, it cannot stand before God. To the Philistines, the ark that was in there was just an idol. An idol, if you want a definition, is just an image or representation of a God used for the purpose of worship. It's not necessarily the God itself, but it's an object that we use to worship that God. Something to which we devote our time, our adoration, and even our resources. So they had this massive representation of Dagon. And now they've got a golden box that they've captured, also supposedly with great power, and they've put this golden box next to their chief god, Dagon, maybe aiming, as I mentioned earlier, at double power. But this is what happens, and we've read it. When the people of Asher rose early the next day, there was Dagon fallen on his face on the ground before the ark of the Lord. Friends, in the presence of God, our idols cannot stand. If you have the presence of God in your life, idols are not able to coexist. They will fall and they will be shown up as frauds. Exodus 34 verse 14 says, Do not worship any other God for the Lord, Yahweh, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. James chapter 4 says, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred towards God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think the scripture says without reason that the spirit he caused to live in us envies intensely? The ark represented the presence of God and Dagon fell in his presence. We have living inside of us the Spirit of God for those who have been born again, born from above. And it's not possible for that idol that we might have in our life to coexist with God. There are going to be consequences. That idol must fall. Lesson number two, those idols that we might have will drain our time and energy. If we try and balance an act of having an idol in our life, it's going to drain our time and it's going to drain our energy. Again, verse second part of verse three, they took Dagon, put him back in his place. The following morning, there was Dagon fallen down again and this time he had broken apart. Notice how the Philistines had to put Dagon back in his place. Just imagine the weight of this huge big stone idol. 
Imagine the energy that it took to resurrect or to put back this huge big idol. It took an effort, not once, but twice. And the second time, this thing was now in pieces that they would have had to repair before they did anything else. Now, as we pursue our own idols, we have to put a lot of time in and effort in as when the Philistines had to put time and effort into lifting that thing up. This example of working to set the idol back in place can represent us being obsessed with maintaining our own idols as we try to keep these things going. And let me tell you that almost anything can become an idol. Anything. Our relationships can become an idol. Our power, our position, our titles, our, our, even the church can become an idol or what we perceive to be the church. Our possessions, our hobbies, our dreams, etc., etc. Anything that ever takes us away from our priority love, our first love, who should be Jesus, is an idol. Anything that takes away our affection, our devotion, our attention from our first love is an idol. Let me tell you, if you feel like all you're accomplishing in life is propping something up, trying to keep something going, something consuming all your resources, all your efforts, all your time, you know, my, my relentless pursuit after that promotion or my, my whatever it is, that effort that I'm putting into maintaining and floating what it is that I love, then I want to give you some advice. <laughs> you probably are trying to keep an idol going. Idols will drain your time and they will drain your energy. Lesson number three from this little passage is that idols will afflict you. Idols will afflict you. Uh, verse, five, uh, verse six says, The Lord's hand was heavy upon the people of Ashad and its vicinity. He brought devastation upon them and afflicted them with tumors. Again, that word is translated as hemorrhoids. He afflicted them with those horrid little and not so little painful, itchy nuisances in the exit regions of our lives that cause us so much grief. How many of you have ever had this experience? I, for those who haven't, uh, just bless the Lord. Be so grateful because there is nothing worse. They are in a place that nobody can see but you can feel, sometimes very painfully and very itchily. I know it's also, it's been a huge pride thing for me because in desperation once I bought a big basin and I was going to seat myself in the basin with all sorts of salts and things to remedy that thing that was down there that was causing me so much pain. And, and I realized as I rested down into this huge big basin I bought, I couldn't fit in the basin. <laughs> I, I never realized that, you know, the, the bottom part of me was as big as it was. <laughs> I don't want to beat this thing up here this morning, but I'm just telling you that those things, I like the way that some translations have translated this. Because if you look at me now, now I, I'm not suffering from that condition now, but if I was, you wouldn't know. Everything would look fine on the outside. It, it, everything's going great, you know. 
You can put up an appearance. It might be sore or whatever down there, but nobody else has to know. You can carry on with life with that thing without even telling anybody about it. But that idol, that thing is afflicting you. Numbers 32 verse 23 says, you may be sure that your sin will find you out. Some point, that thing will find you out. It always does. When we work to maintain our idols, when we pour time and energy into them, in essence, we are being plagued. Not visibly, but it's happening. We are being afflicted by our idols. Nobody can see it. We might not even realizing it, but it's happening. Our relationship with God begins to suffer. We can become an emotional wreck. The stress of it all can eventually physically he, uh, hurt us as well. It's well documented that medical conditions are often physical manifestations of inner turmoil and conflict. So we try and cover them up. We try and hide them away. We try and pretend they're not there. But let me tell you this. Idols will always afflict you. Do not think you can balance God and your idol. Do not think you can keep pouring out your love into something else more than you are into Jesus and get away with it. Idols will always afflict you. Lesson number four, idols cause you to hide from God. Once the Philistines were afflicted, they were determined to send the ark away. They wanted to get it away from them. They wanted to hide away, if you like. They wanted nothing to do with this Ark of the Covenant, which we know represented the presence of God. Verse 7, the men of Ashod saw what was happening. They said, the Ark of the God of Israel must not stay here with us because his hand is heavy upon us and upon our Dagon, our God. So they called together the rulers of the Philistines and asked them, what shall we do? And they answered, have the, God, the Ark of the God of Israel moved so they moved the, God, the ark of the God of Israel. It didn't go well with the city of Goth, where, Gath where they had moved it to. Verse 11 says, so they called the rulers together again and said, send the ark of God of Israel away. Let it go back to its own place or it will kill us and our people. For death had filled the city with panic and God's hand was heavy upon it. So here the poor Philistines are, not knowing that this idol of theirs, this God of theirs, was actually the very symbol of the presence of God. And they tried moving it when they couldn't deal with it. They tried sending it away. And eventually in chapter 6, we read that they sent it back to the Israelites. And that's exactly what happens in our own lives when we get caught up serving idols. We slowly, even if we don't realize we're doing it at the time, but we push him away. We want to send him away. Maybe not in our heads we decide, oh, I'm sending God away, like the Philistines did. But it happens. We start hiding from God. Like Adam hid from God after his sin in the garden. Where are you? I was afraid. I hid because I was afraid. That goes on inside of us when we try and keep these idols of ours, of ours going. We think that if the presence of God is banished from our sight, it'll go better with us. You know, if I just keep quiet, or if I just, if I just ignore, ignore it, it's going to go away. At very least, our love for Jesus is drowned out 
by those idols. We end up in hiding. Friends, if you're not where you should be with God, here's some good advice for you this morning. You're probably serving an idol. If you're not where you should be with Jesus this morning, you most likely have an idol or idols in your life that have become more priority to you than he should be to you. So if idols can't compare with God, if idols are draining our time and energy, if idols are afflicting us, if idols cause us to hide from God or hide God from us, then surely, 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 our idols must be destroyed. And that's our fifth lesson, last lesson for this morning. Our idols simply have to be destroyed. And that's what we see in the conclusion to the story in chapter 6, which we haven't read. When we have poured our all into an idol, and it's become something of great worth. The only way we can end the pain, the heartache, the strife associated with trying to maintain that idol is to give it to God completely, just to hand it over completely. Now, in chapter 6, we read the Philistine priests had ordered that gold models of the tumors and, and gold models of rats be set in a chest on a cot, a new cot, with cows that had just calved uh, next to the Ark of the Covenant and sent off as a gift to the Israelites just to get rid of that cot. That model of the tumor, I can't imagine what it would look like other than perhaps a bunch of grapes. <laughs> I don't know what it, but the rats, we can know what they were like. So the priests of the Philistines commanded that they put these models in gold models into this chest. Anyway, when the Philistines sent the Ark of the Covenant back to the Israelites, everything idolatrous we read became a sacrifice. So everything except the Ark of the Covenant was destroyed. I'll just read that quickly to you. 1 Samuel chapter 6 says, The cart came to the field of Joshua of Beth Shemesh, and there it stopped beside a large rock. The people chopped up the wood of the cart and sacrificed the cows as a burnt offering to the Lord. So they had taken that chest off. They took the Ark of the Covenant off, but they also took the chest that contained those models in. And they chopped up that Ark completely and they sacrificed the cows and everything else upon the, the fire that they'd made from that wood. Verse 15, the Levites took down the Ark of the Lord together with the chest, placed them on the large rock. On that day, the people of Beth Shemesh offered burnt offerings and made sacrifices to the Lord. So everything idolatrous had been burnt up. It had been laid down and sacrificed before the Lord. What the Lord wants us to do is exactly the same thing with our idols. Lay them down on an altar, basically meaning, uh, symbolically meaning that God, here it is, you need to now consume this for me because I want nothing more to do with it. And you know what we start with? We start with our bodies. Romans chapter 12 verse 1 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. 
Our call this morning is to ask the Holy Spirit to show us any idols that we can have in our life. You see, idols can be anything. Anything that's taken us away from our priority love. Our pursuit of health can be an idol. We are just so caught up with these masks, it can become an idol. Not saying be stupid and don't wear a mask, but I'm just saying it can become an idol. It's like the be all and end all of everything is a mask. For goodness sake, God's given us an immune system. (laughs) Sensibility. Sometimes we just focus. We get so fixated on all of these things, you know. It becomes an idol as opposed to our priority love who is Jesus and the word he's given us. Our pursuit of wealth, our pursuit of possession, our pursuit of power of our hobbies, of our sport. Not that anything that I'm saying is inherently evil. I'm not saying don't have a hobby and don't have a a career and don't, uh, you know, desire greater things. I'm not saying that at all. But where that thing has taken my time, my energy, and my resources, it has become an idol in my life. Where my priority love is less than Jesus, then I've... I've raised up an idol. I want to just say that if you try and compromise with your idol, you're going to fail. That idol needs to be destroyed. I need to recognize that this hobby hobby of mine, whatever my hobby is or work or whatever it is, I need to recognize, Lord, this is never going to take your place. I sacrifice this thing in its entirety to you. doesn't mean you stop your hobby. It just means you never compromise on what your hobby is and your love for the Lord Jesus Christ. My pursuit for wealth, you know. I just want to get rich. I just want to have lots of money so I can do this and that. When the Bible says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy, where thieves cannot break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. Where's your treasure? Where's your treasure this morning? Is your treasure in anything other than the Lord Jesus Christ, the kingdom of God? Your ultimate treasure, your goal, your purpose for living, your everything. Because if it's not in Jesus, my friend, you have an idol in your life and you need to deal with that idol. Let me summarize as we conclude this morning. Number one, Idols cannot stand before God. Commandment number one, you shall have no other gods besides me, next to me. Command number two, you shall not make an idol, an image. It's no wonder that idolaters are not going to be in heaven. It's no wonder idolaters have been secured a place in that eternal fire that never quenches. The first two commandments God ever gave in the Ten Commandments is no other gods and no idols. And as we raise up idols in our own life, uh, we break both of those commandments in an instant. Idols cannot stand. They cannot be allowed to stand. They cannot be allowed to remain. There is no other God besides our Lord. Secondly, in summary, idols are going to drain your time and energy. You ever felt like you're doing something and all you're doing is just plugging holes, 
you know. You're spending endless hours, for example, endless hours ministering to somebody, and they just never change. All you're probably doing is helping them to live with their sin. Just break it off. Maybe that's become an idol to you, you know. I'm going to see this person saved. I'm going to keep ministering. Maybe that time and energy and all the rest of it, it's just drained you sat. Maybe it's become an idol. That pursuit of your promotion, that, that, that relentless longing to get somebody to like you. I mean, it's an idol. If God loves me, who gives a hoot what anybody else thinks about me, you know? Idols are going to drain your time. They're going to drain your energy. And thirdly, I said, they're going to afflict you. And it might be that you don't see them and nobody else can see them, but they are busy afflicting you. Even unconsciously, they are taking you and dragging you away from the presence of God as you try and hide, fourthly, from God. So I encourage you this morning, our idols, number five, must be destroyed in Jesus name amen <music>